you know, it's easy to kind of get down on yourself, but just take a breath, make a plan. And if maybe it's a contingency plan A through Z, but make as many plans as you can. And best case scenario, this happens. Maybe we try this, maybe we try that. And just get the experts involved, spend the money to to have the people who have done this. You know, if you're dealing with an environmental issue, get get the environmental companies involved, right? There's people that that are experts in this and can handle it. And so don't try to pick pick up pennies here or or save pennies. Invest in the right companies, bring the right people in, stay calm and just work your plan to to get it to close. It's not the mistake that matters. It's how you deal with it, what you learn from it, and how you apply that lesson to your life. Welcome to Multifamily Missteps, where your host Jerome Myers brings on apartment investors from around the country, big and small, to share with you the lessons they wish somebody would have told them. These short episodes are designed to expedite your journey to growing a profitable apartment portfolio without all the mistakes that others have made. We're super excited that you're here. Now, let's jump into the show. everybody and welcome to multifamily missteps i'm your host jerome and i got justin frazier in with me today i would say he's from like up north in pennsylvania but this guy's in north carolina now they got some assets well i don't know they just sold some assets but right. i'm not going to jump into that right now justin how are you my I'm friend great and yes i i'm now i got a north carolina license so i'm on my way here now he's official, <laughs> I'm official. ladies and gentlemen that's Let's right. Welcome to the state, man. He's here now. He's a resident. Okay. Oh, I love the sound so effects. Justin, Beautiful. For the people who may not know who you are, what you're about, give them a little bit, man. Who are you? Yeah. I uh, thank you, Justin Fraser here, host of the True Multifamily podcast, of which Jerome's been a, a guest, frequent guest on. And uh, yeah, I'm an asset manager for the DeRosa Group. We own now somewhere around 1,200 units. We're under contract on 670 more right now, five property portfolio. My role on the team is asset manager. And so I get to build the business plans and uh, operate, manage the managers, spend the CapEx money, make sure that we are doing everything that we told our investors we're going to do, make sure we meet the underwriting or exceed the underwriting and uh, keep everyone, all those trains running on time to make sure that our multifamily properties, which are businesses, and make sure those businesses are, are operating efficiently. So that's what I do. Wow. And so did you say five? How much did you say? Yeah, we're under contract on five property portfolio right now for 670 units. 670 (laughs) units, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) He's talking about a capital raise. So (laughs) that's amazing. Is that one city? Is that multiple states? Like how does how does one buy 600 plus units? It's two states, two cities, both cities that we're heavily invested in right now. So it's three properties in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, which will put us over a thousand out there, a thousand units out there. And it's two properties in Winston-Salem, which, you know, we have our property Diamond Ridge out there in Winston-Salem. So so put us around five or 600 units out there. Somebody, uh, this was the real reason why I reached out to you. I just happened to invite you on the podcast. Somebody said, hey, the people that own this one should just buy that one down the street. There's a property on the market with 50% occupancy down the street from your Diamond Ridge deal. I've toured so it. We can talk I know about it. That I toured point. it. Yeah. There um, we go. He already knows. Ladies. I know everything I about it. I can't tell him anything. <laughs> he knows his market. He knows his market. So listen, you, you. <laughs> You're making me stutter because this thing is so good. So you just exited a monster deal in my yeah. hometown, man. So 
Tell the listeners a little bit about that so they got some context before we dive into some of the stuff you learned and going through the something yeah. full cycle because I know, think this, most people never get there. Well, hopefully one day they will. Um, we have a lot of multifamily operators who have not gone full cycle. And honestly, that is a big reason we sold this property is you know we've been buying up as many properties as we can over the last four years or so, um, but we had not gone full cycle on a deal. And so that is actually something very common question we get from folks is, Hey, prove it, right? Like you can show me how things are going, but you don't have anything that actually closed and and you went full cycle on. So part of the reason we wanted to sell was to be able to point to a case study. But the other reason is, I mean, we bought this thing in the in the mid thirties a door and uh, selling it in the mid eighties a door and in four years, right? Whoa, 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 whoa. We're going to make some money, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> It's a fifty thousand um, dollars spread. Can, um, can you do that in your head? Yeah, we we more than doubled. We basically bought it for six point seven, put a little over two million into it, and um, yeah, sold it for over sixteen million dollars. So he's giving you the math. He, he's, he's not <laughs> skirting around it. He's not leaving numbers out. I'm not he's hiding it. We have nothing to hide. Math. I mean, we're very proud of it, I, actually, and uh, we're we're transparent with our investors, and you know, they did very well. They more than doubled their money in in four years, which is a pretty great return for them. That's outstanding. Yeah. So what did, what did you learn in this exit, right? Because a lot of us, we bought assets and we're we're operating them because we truly are operators. We're not mm-hmm. flippers. Right. And you got to this place, you're like, hey, we need a case study. We need to show you guys that we can exit and get that big equity hit. And you did it. So yeah. what what'd you figure out? What did you learn that maybe you thought was real, but maybe it didn't end up being real or vice versa? I mean, so many things like, even from the beginning, like when is the time, like at some point you're going to hit a tipping point and it's like, okay, now it's more beneficial to sell. Right. And we had gained so much value in the property that, you know, now our investors had all this equity locked up and it's like, well, if we got the back to them, then they could go put all that extra money back to work, you know, holding for another three or five years, you know, we might've increased, we're obviously going to still increase the value and they're still going to cash flow, but you know, it was the right decision for them to to get them their money back, right? So, so that was number one. Number two is we had gone through our business plan. Our business plan was to buy that property, renovate all the units, and we did different levels of renovation because we learned as we went. And so, by the end of it, we had done we had touched at least all the units. I would say a third of them we had done a very nice high end renovation. That's sort of what we we ended up doing. The last you know nine months of our renovation plan was a great like. $12,000 a door renovation plan and it was beautiful. And we were getting like these amazing premiums over the, the units that we had done in the, in the beginning of our ownership. And so the decision was, okay, do we go back, get another bridge loan and you know, basically go from bridge to bridge, which you, know, you can do, um, but basically come back, take another bite of the apple as you will, right? Either refinance or go to a bridge loan and put another $2 million in to, to finish out the CapEx plan or do we take advantage of the fact that we rode this market and uh, rode it up, did our business plan, made a very solid you know, case study. It wasn't like we just tur- turned two or three units and you know, we're, we're pretending that, that there's a market for this higher rent. It's a third of the units are getting an excellent premium. There's a great case study. There's way more value add to do. And probably if we weren't selling it, it would have been a good property for us to buy because there's still a heavy value add. So I, I mean, I love that deal. I'll, I'll always love that property. But from the time we made the decision that we wanted to sell, you know, you just think, okay, we'll just list it with the broker and, and sell it. I and mean, that should be fairly easy. But 
the process as always is, is not that straightforward. It actually, I think, helped us become a better buyer because going through the process, working with the broker, understanding the bids that were coming in, first, how to prepare the property for sale, then the bids that were coming in and, and what makes a stronger offer versus a weaker offer, hearing how the broker pitches certain buyers to us on the relationship that they have. Hey, I've worked with this guy. He's closed three deals. He might not be the highest price, but he's got more money hard. Like All these different factors go into what might make a strong offer versus you know the, just the highest price, right? And so going through that process was was really eye opening for us. And then we selected a buyer actually, and uh, eventually fell out of contract. Believe it or not, so so we started this whole process like more than nine months ago to to, to list this property for sale. It was the spring of, of last year, but by um, listing it, the the buyer was going through their environmental study. And they found, you know, there was a laundromat up the road, up, you know, neighboring the property. And so there was some chemicals that were in the ground when they did their phase two. And uh, basically that means is they sent an environmental company out to do some digging because of the fact that there's a, a laundromat there. And believe it or not, they dug in almost the exact same spot within a few feet of where we dug when we did our phase two, when we purchased the property, our phase two back, came back clean. Their phase two, just a few feet over and four years later, came back with elevated levels of chemicals that you don't want in the ground. And so we had a little negotiation with the buyer. And at the end of the day, the buyer just was not comfortable moving forward or couldn't get their lender to move forward. We actually thought that we were continuing to, to work in a friendly way with the buyer. The buyer said they wanted to do some additional air quality tests. We were totally open to that. And... Um, you know, we they they then kind of ghosted us for a while, and then at one point just sent us a letter from their attorney saying, "No, we're out." Right, and so we had gotten a little relaxed where we were letting them operate because we found out this news about the chemical. Like we we had the broker communicate with us and with the the, the buyer, um, but our legal wasn't sending like the official legal letter that says, "Okay, you know, this means that this." this paragraph is getting extended by this many days. And if then, if this, then that. We kind of just let it kind of happen through the broker. And then when this guy decided to back out, uh, we were left like, hey, there's a kind of a legal mess here because we were operating under the assumption you were going to go do more tests. You now decided not to do more tests, but your window where you're supposed to tell us you're not going to do any more tests has passed. So technically we should be getting your deposit, but you're saying you can't. And now attorneys are involved. It becomes like a whole, whole big mess. And whether you you know you think it's clean, it's not clean. There, of course, it's never black and white. And so we ended up having this whole kind of dispute with the guy that backed out. Uh, we worked out an arrangement, basically to cover our legal costs uh, of going through it. Um, but the great thing is, ouch, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Ouch, it's okay. You know, we learned a hard lesson there about probably if our attorney had sent one email then his deposit would have been hard and it would have been you know hundreds of thousands of dollars swinging our way but because we didn't because we let the broker handle it it really you know there was one vague email that they're interpreting one way and we're interpreting it another way and it just wasn't very clean and so that was our that was a mistake but at the end of the day we had our costs covered the property was cash flowing so we ended up continuing to cash flow you know for for the extra months that this ended up drawing this out and we ended up getting a buyer the next week. Our broker had a another buyer who was hot and ready to go. You know, we had a lot of people that were um, that submitted some really great offers, and he had a buyer that had dealt with environmental issues before. And I think the net difference in price on the contract price was like forty thousand dollars less. So, so we ended up 
we, we made that back in cash flow over the, the extra month that it took to, to close a deal. So we ended up, you know, neutral or, or positive. Again. So we kind of Houdini'd our way out <laughs> with a new buyer, brought that buyer in. And, you know, we still have this, you know, potential environmental issue that we had to deal with. Right. Um, so we took it upon ourselves and spent, it's honest, it's not much. I think it was $13,000, you know, in the grand scheme of things, when you're selling a property for 16 million, 13 grand is, you know, let's do it. Right. It's, it's not even a question. So we did the extra testing. Um, we found out there was no issue with the air. So there were, yes, the chemicals in the ground, it's not in the air quality. Their new buyer's lender was perfectly fine with that. And uh, environmental issue was case closed and we got to move towards closing, but what a ride it was when we thought we, we'd we be done and uh, had, to, had to go find another buyer. A lot of people want to be profitable multifamily operators, but lack the knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital to be successful. They often try to overcome these challenges out of order, slowing or eliminating their ability to get the next deal done. We have developed a framework that allows them to gain the knowledge they need to find profitable deals. When they use our system, they create time and location freedom, as well as the generational wealth they desire for their family. The Multifamily Kickstart program has proven to be the fastest way to establish credibility and build a profitable apartment portfolio. Hop over to drawmyers.co to find out more information. And talk about a roller coaster, right? <laughs> like you guys are in and we're getting ready to get paid. And then we're not even getting the deposit. And this thing's been tied up for months. And what are we going to do now? And was this person that actually ended up closing the deal, were they in the original pit, pool of bidders? Believe it or, or not, was this somebody no. completely new? The, someone completely new. The broker knew that had dealt with, he had just closed a different property that had an environmental issue. Same thing. They just needed a little extra testing and had a lender that was willing to work with them and and work through things. And so, so that's what they did and they were good to go. All right, Justin, level with me, man. When you heard that there was something on the face too, yeah. what'd you think? Oh my God. Well, I didn't know, like I, all I knew was bad. <laughs> like I didn't know how bad, but yeah, I remember like, reading this phase two and really trying to understand, you know, phase two is a lab report is, is really what it is. And so you're trying to understand these readings of these chemicals that you can't pronounce, let alone understand what they even mean, you know, and it's 50 pages long <laughs> and on and on. But, and, you know, we called somebody and, and, and read it a few times and really understood, okay, this is, you know, we didn't know like, okay, there's chemical here. There's a problem. Like, and so, so we run through the scenarios like, okay, best case scenario is, we test further and there's no issue. Worst case scenario is we're saddled with, we can't sell this thing. No, no lender is going to lend on it. And we're going to have to remediate these chemicals that have been pouring into this property. And, and who knows how bad it is. Um, the North Carolina, you know, environmental agencies get involved and there's, you know, all kinds of issues that come with, with laundry chemicals that, that are in the ground and, if it, if it had been getting in the air, there's like literal safety issues that, that we could have been encountered where we would have to evacuate some of the buildings. And so it's like, oh my God, there's there's a million things. We've never dealt with this before. We never experienced it, but you learn on the fly. And, you know, at the end of the day, we we would have to do the right thing. We always try to do the right thing. And so we were, we had put our manager on notice, like, hey, we're doing air quality tests here. We may have to pull our tenants out of these buildings and, and find somewhere for them to go. And so they had even started looking at like other properties that they had, or do we put them in hotels or like, what do we do? So those contingency plans were, were being put in motion 
while we were waiting for our results. Thankfully, you know, the results came back clear, but what a mess. And, and, and it really ended up being one of the best case scenarios it, it could have been, but it could have been so, so much worse. <laughs> this is wild, man. <laughs> Who knows? Because, I mean, you're buying a piece of dirt, right? right? And you don't know what your neighbors are doing and stuff can travel through the voids in the soil. I actually might pretend like I have an engineering degree now and could go into that, but I'm not going to. I'm going to stay high and light and just really enjoy the fact that you guys were able to get out of that thing. Yeah. But to the listeners, I mean, there's real risk when you buy these deals and especially for the length of time that we own them. And so you got to be really diligent in your process and, you know, just Forcing your way through being a bull in a china shop to get the thing closed could be one of the worst things you do because you get saddled with all these issues that you didn't know were there. And so out of curiosity, was was the buyer, the end buyer on this deal, were they using agency debt or was this like a bridge lender or a community bank? Like, how do you fund that? Because some people have different restrictions. Well, they were they ended up using agency and the you know the the lender they worked with you know the the air test that we did satisfied satisfied you know the issue that there's the yes there's a chemical in the soil but it's not impacting the property and the tenants um, the actual buildings nothing's coming up so there are other things that the new buyer can do eventually where there might be you know there's there's all kinds of like machinery you can put in place and basically like kind of like what you would do for radon but for these other chemicals but. Those not necessary here. Their lender was on board, and so I don't. I don't know the particulars of their loan, but I know that that their lender was okay with it. Beautiful, beautiful, yeah. beautiful. And so, I mean, the last question, the one I ask all of my guests, is: What's the words of wisdom you have for the folks who are out there with you and your earbuds Man. right now? Well, relating to you know this story, it's like just just stay positive and have you know where this you think this one thing is going to happen and you're clearing clear to close and you're sailing towards closing and then you get hit out of left field but you know it's easy to kind of get down on yourself but just take a breath make a plan and if maybe it's a contingency plan a through z but make as many plans as you can and best case scenario this happens maybe we try this maybe we try that and just get the experts involved spend the money to to have the people who have done this you know if you're dealing with environmental issue Get get the environmental companies involved. Very good. There's people that that are experts in this and can handle it. And so, don't try to pick pick up pennies here or or save pennies. Invest in the right companies. Bring the right people in. Stay calm and just work your plan to to get it to close. Now that's interesting. You brought that up because last week's episode, the guest said something very similar about not picking the cheapest option. Mm-hmm. So if if you would indulge me. You said, don't try to pick up pennies. Mm-hmm. Give the listeners a little bit more on that, because I think as I become more sophisticated as a buyer, as unsophisticated as I am, I'm beginning to realize that, you know, the cheapest uh, provider is usually the most expensive option. It's almost always true. Almost every time we think, yeah, we'll, we'll cut this short or we'll go with this cheaper guy, you know, for whatever. It could be a staircase repair or an environmental company digging holes in your ground or anything in between. You know, if a company has experience and they've experienced this issue and they're a professional company, they've, they've done it right, then it's it's almost worth whatever they want to charge you. Um, and if so, if you're shopping around to try to get the cheapest price, you know, what, what that really means to me, Jerome, is like, Let's look at the big picture here. 
right? We're selling this property for a profit of, you know, almost $10 million, right? So, so what's the difference if I have a company that's going to charge me $15,000 or $6,000? I'm going to go with the one that's got a reputation that I know does good work, that I've worked with in the past, that other people have told me does quality work. It's like, why, why try to, to save a few bucks? Because at the end of the day, if they do something wrong or they skip a step or they give me the, the light version of the report and, and I don't know what that means versus the full version of the report, then that's only going to cause trouble later on. So do it right the first time, pay for quality. The, it, there's too many things that can go wrong if, if you don't. So, so invest. And that's, you know, that's everything top to bottom with our properties. You, know, you don't, don't spend unnecessarily, but don't be afraid to use the right vendor for the right project. Right vendor for the right project. Justin, this is phenomenal. Congratulations again. Thank you. Matter of fact, you guys need a hand clap, man, because this is outstanding, man. You know, people uh, think that they can make money in multifamily. They think that they can. They don't know for sure. But you guys proved out the thesis, and now you got a great case study you can use to go back to folks who are thinking about investing with you guys. That's right. Say, hey, here, here's the proof. We've got We've went full cycle. Here, here's the proof in the pudding. So, Justin, again, thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it, man. For sure. And to the listeners, the pack's with you. We'll talk soon. You made it all the way to the end. So that means you love this episode of Multifamily Missteps. I need a favor from you. The only way this show grows is if more people know about it. So do me a favor. Take a screenshot and post it on your favorite social media platform and tag me in it. Who knows? We may have you as the next guest. I look forward to sharing the episode with you next week.